0: Welcome to the F-Sharp Podcast, presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared to educate you on all things financial. Co-hosts Tanner Bortnam and Adam Henning discuss various financial topics, presented in a consumable and entertaining manner. Tanner is a certified financial planner, JD, and financial expert, while Adam is a marketing professional and small business owner. It's time to harmonize. Sit back and enjoy the episode. Your future self will thank you
1: welcome to the f-sharp podcast presented by harmony wealth a podcast geared to educate you on all things financial i'm your co-host adam henning marketing professional and small business owner and i'm joined with tanner bortnum certified financial planner jd financial expert and my personal cfo (laughs) uh (laughs) and hopefully yours too so uh welcome this is episode 40 uh, this episode is our first of four market updates for 2023. Uh, obviously, the first of 2023 as we just wrapped up quarter number one. Tanner, it's been an interesting quarter to start 2023, to say the least. Uh, most notably, we saw some sub- substantial... Uh, volatility in the market, uh, including the second largest bank failure in U.S. history, which recovered in a previous episode, the emergency episode 38.5. So with that said, uh, give us a quick update on quarter one, and then we'll move into kind of the fallout of SVB and what we've learned since then.
2: Yeah. Uh, what a what a quarter, right? I mean, who would have foreseen all of these things happening, um, you know, obviously this quarter, but then on top of that, the market's actually performing pretty well. Um, ironically, you know, you wouldn't expect those two things to happen at the same time. But uh, yeah, just kind of before we jump into the bank uh, kind of issue now that we know a lot more about it. Um, first quarter, as I mentioned, markets were up. S&P 500 is up you know, 7.4%. Very good start to the year. Uh, NASDAQ up, so that's more of the tech side of things, was up even more a uh, 17.6% in the first quarter um i <laughs> i think it's pretty easy to say i doubt that it, they will keep that pace and uh you know be able to continue churning out those types of returns for the next three quarters um but hey good start to the year going to take it um you know got one of one of four quarters out of the way, and and uh, started climbing out of out of the hole that we were in. Uh, you know, at the bottom so far was last fall. So we'll see how the rest of the year plays out. Inflation continues to come down. Uh, at the end of March here, it was five percent year over year. So again, still high um, and higher than normal, higher than what the Fed wants, but you know, a lot better than eight nine percent that it was. Um, you know, in twenty twenty two. So. Uh, making progress there, unemployment also very very low still. It's at three point five percent. As we've talked about on previous episodes, um, that's a good thing and a bad thing. Um, as you know, the economy needs to slow down, and as interest or, or as inflation comes down, one of the things that's expected is unemployment goes up. Um, you know, we're not rooting for that. It's just a unnecessary. Um, evil uh, of kind of the situation that we're in but that really hasn't moved yet unemployment uh you, know, you hear a lot of people in the tech sector have lost jobs but the economy overall still really really low unemployment rates what's a normal rate Four
1: uh five?
2: yeah probably around i mean again uh, we love seeing this the the lower the unemployment rate I mean, obviously, the lower the unemployment rate, the less unemployed people are out there. So that means more people are working, the economy's working more efficiently and and functioning really well. So it's, again, kind of an anomaly. We're in a weird spot that we are trying, or and I don't want to say we, I'm not, but the Fed is trying to slow the economy, which will help inflation come down. Um, but yet, unemployment hasn't really gone up yet. So... You know, it is a lagging indicator, so it can take some time to catch up, but um, I'm pretty shocked that it hasn't really moved much uh, yet with how much interest rates have gone up. And then, yeah, last kind of thing. uh, Speaking of interest rates, the Fed raised interest rates another 0.25% in March, bringing their federal funds rate to 4.75 to 5% is the range um, that they're at uh there is a still a a very reasonable chance um that there'll be another rate hike here coming in may um we'll see obviously you know we have another month or so to go before that one um they're meeting there but there's still a pretty good chance that they'll they'll bump up rates again even with him you know because inflation's still at five still still being stubborn so that's kind of a quick recap Of the markets, inflation, unemployment, and the rate hikes. So, at this pace, are we in line
1: with that soft landing that they were hoping for, or? (laughs) Um,
2: I mean, I i leading later. uh, Oh no! No, no, you're fine. I think that it's. uh, I mean, I think the Fed uh, is going to want to continue to tell us that we're on track for that um you know obviously the fed is made up of of numerous people and so some of them have been saying that's not likely but as a whole you know i think they want to keep that narrative out there because it you know makes it look like they're doing their job perfectly if they can keep the narrative there do i think that that's likely Eh, no, <laughs> um, you know, is there is there a chance? Yes, um, you know, I just I think that that chance is, it's a lot, it's a lot less. I mean, especially with you know the banking issues that uh, we saw, you know, with SVB and and a couple others, um, you know, they got it under control. Again, this isn't the Fed; that was more the Treasury and, and government. Um, they they got everything under control at that point and and stopped you know, the, what they were calling is contagion and more runs on banks and, in and continuing the same process. Um, but you know, there, there's still issues there in the banking system as a direct cause, you know, again, we talked about it in the, um, special episode 30, whatever, 38.5 or whatever you called it. Um, uh, but it's you know it it's a uh, it's a direct cause of you know the Dodd Frank rules, the abundance reserve that the Fed has been operating under, and the very very quick um, interest rate hikes, and then you know some mismanagement of the banks. You you add all those together, you're going to have some issues.
1: Uh, any, anything any information that we've gleaned since that uh svb fallout um i know two other banks have um i don't know, been taken over or shut down or what what's the the term there but um ha, are we stepping into or getting in any closer to some some regulations to to prevent this again or, or how is everybody viewing this um? We're about a month
2: post. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, about, about a month as yeah, we're recording this be. in April. Yeah. It's got to be right, so. right around a month. Um, yeah. It's uh, obviously we know a lot more information than what we did at the time. Um, it does, you know, again, if if you listen to our, our previous episode, um, you know, I, I remember mentioning on there it didn't sound like there was any bad actions by the bank. Now it sounds like that may not the case as more information came out you know we didn't know that at the time when we were recording the previous one sounds like they made some poor decisions you know not again i think it is to be determined whether any of it was malicious but poor decisions were made you know for sure from the bank side um but at the same time too there's more information of what the government knew and you know from things I've read it sounds like the government knew that this could have be a potential long before it actually happened and one of the big indicators of it is the Fed's own book it has more than a trillion dollars in this exact same losses it's just and, and again just a quick recap for everybody in case you didn't listen to that previous one what happened with these bonds was SVB and all banks do it they buy bonds to try to earn some interest. Well, you know, they don't just all go out and buy 6-month T-bills. You know, they're going out and buying different maturities so that they have different durations on these. So some of the ones they had had a long duration and they may have bought these at, you know, 2-3% payout well as interest rates continue to go up. The price of bonds go down, um, and so that made the bonds negative in their in their portfolio. Now, if they would have been able to hold all those to maturity, they wouldn't have had any issues. They would have gotten all their money back. But the problem was because of all the things we talked about in the the previous episode, and the social media, and some of the concerns with SVB and those those types of things. They had to sell some of these bonds. They were basically forced to sell some of the bonds at a loss because they needed to raise that cash. So transition that to the Fed. The Fed has over a trillion dollars in paper losses on the bonds that they own, but they're the Fed. They're not a business. They play by the different set exactly. Yeah, rules. Cor- correct, correct. They play by their <laughs> they play by their own rules. And I'm not saying anything nefarious is going on with them. It's just they're not a business. So they will have the ability to hold all of those to maturity. So those paper losses that are in there right now don't really matter because they will never be forced to sell like an actual business would. And that's the part where I get a little annoyed with, you know, the government as a whole is like you sh- this is happening to your own stuff that you have, how do you not realize that the rest of the economy doesn't get to just continue yeah. to run deficits? Like <laughs> sure. if if businesses, and we've said this numerous times before, if businesses ran themselves like the government, they would be out of business. They'd be bankrupt. So it confuses me when the government doesn't get that. Businesses don't get to operate like them. Like you should have seen the writing on the wall. It was happening with your own um, your own bonds in your portfolio, Federal Reserve, so you can assume it's happening in the banks as well. And, and so, anyways, it, it sounds like they had all this data ahead of time and it just, you know, didn't really do anything about it. Now, did they think there'd so be a run on the... why didn't they do anything? Well, I don't think why, they well, yeah. Why no
1: bailouts or, or anything
2: like 08? Oh, well, because the bank wasn't big enough. Uh, well, for, uh, so I think numerous things one bailing out the banks in 0708 was was very very unpopular i think it's what was necessary to do to cause financial collapse of the entire economy of the united states could they have done other things sure of course like we always say hindsight's 2020 but with the info they had that's the decision they made and because hindsight's 2020 it was it's a very unpopular whether you're democrat or republican it's very unpopular decision to bail out the banks, so I think that was one of them. Also, SVB was a yes; it's the second largest bank failure, but it wasn't like Chase was having issues or Wells Fargo was having issues. You know, is does it sting? Of course, it stings the economy when you know SVB or someone like that um, goes under, but it's it's not the size of what we were dealing with in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Um, so no real bailout there, but SVB did get bought out by somebody else. Um,
1: oh, they did it, or is that news that we've learned since? Yeah,
2: we, we learned since. Yeah, I, I know found. they were
1: trying to find somebody to, yeah,
2: brace I'm pretty that sure they run, they, but uh, oh, no, 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 yeah, since then, someone has you know assumed the asset and like stockholders. I, I don't know how all of it worked out, I didn't follow it enough. Um, full disclosure, I was in Europe when this was all happening. So it was uh, quite, quite stressful to try to keep up with everything that was going on and be, you know, nine hours ahead. Uh, So I'm not sure how all of the um, details worked out, but regardless, no one lost any money. You know, the run on the bank didn't need to happen. And the federal government came in and said for SVB, like, you know, I remember uh, Biden was saying he wanted to uh, back all money that was in there, you know, not just the 250,000 FDIC coverage. Now we'll back it all. And, and so um, that, you know, they, because of some of those things and, and building that confidence in it that, Hey, if something happens with your bank, the government's going to step in and, and ensure all of your assets, uh that i think is what helped prevent other runs on other banks and and that again that contagion they were talking about um and so yeah i guess that does that kind of answer what your your question was
1: yeah yeah so where's the confidence level now um with a possible recession looming
2: uh in terms of confidence in the banks or confidence in uh the economy I think just-
1: Going more general and having that spill in the, the banking industry spill, but let, let's take this as a, a an overall market standpoint. Where Where's the confidence level and
2: how much did that affect it? Um, it shouldn't be very high. <laughs> um, that's why I was saying at the beginning, it's kind of an interesting quarter because you have some of these you know, not so great things. some cracks in the armor, you know, starting to show, um, you know, corporate profits are continuing to go down, maybe, or they will be lower when earning season comes out here. Um, but, you know, but the markets were up. Um, you know, and it's kind of a, kind of an oddity with that. Now, you know, we, we always say this again, you know, the markets are forward looking then, and so maybe the markets are, you know pricing in some of these things like maybe they you know think that uh interest rates are peaked or close to peaking um i know one of the uh the charts that that i look at does seem like the markets are a little displaced from the fed so the fed um as of the last time i looked at the chart expected to, you know, potentially raise interest rates one, maybe two more times this year and then stop uh, and no rate cuts in 2023 where the market itself has, you know, one to two rate cuts built into the back end of 2023. So, you know, I think there's some uh, disconnect there of, of what, one group thinks is going to happen in the other. So that might lead to why the markets were, were up so high or, or so much. In, so in the, the first market
1: quarter. when you say disconnect the markets outperforming what you think it should be based on.
2: Yeah. What the yeah. It's been doing. Yeah. Cause one of the sayings is don't fight the fed. Um, you know, if the fed says they're going to do something like don't fight it because if they do it, it has a direct cause. Like, you know, like I mentioned with the, the bonds, it's the easiest example. If the Fed is going to raise interest rates, bond prices of existing bonds are going to go down. Like, they're like those two things are going to happen. It's not like, well, maybe they'll go down. No, they are going to go down. And so that's why there's this, and you know, this uh, saying of "don't fight the Fed." And that's where I think there's a little bit of that disconnect because if you know the Fed is saying now again, they have every right to change their mind, but if they're saying Now we're going to raise rates one or maybe two more times and then pause. And the market is saying, I don't know if you're going to raise rates at all. And we actually expect you to lower interest rates one or two times by the end of the year. That's where I think that disconnect is. We'll see who ends up being right. Um, Again, typically, and why they say don't fight the Fed is because the Fed gets to determine whether they're right or wrong and As we've seen with them, they they don't like to make it look like they made a wrong decision, so they will they will plug along. Um, So, uh, anyways, I I just think that could be one of the reasons of you know, inflation is continuing to come down. That's a positive for the markets. Um, We did avert you know a banking crisis. I I don't want to call it a crisis because I don't want to be a fear monger, but banking issues. Yeah. banking issues. There, there, there were, there were issues. And if the government didn't act, there could have been other runs on banks and it could have been a perfectly healthy bank. But like we talked about in the last episode, if, if any business just in one day loses 25% of their, their revenue, particularly bank, your deposits, if you lose 25% in one day, that's shutting down any bank. So the fact that they stopped that from happening—that that's a, you know, a huge deal. That's that's very very positive for the market. So again, maybe some of those things got people. I'm not as uh, I'm not negative on the markets overall, um, but I'm not I'm not that positive. I think that was I think that was some really good returns in three months that I don't think the news necessarily was there to to um, as a a catalyst for that. I I don't know where the news was to cause that.
1: So how much projection does the Fed have? I know this is a little off topic. Yeah, but you're fine. Is there a way to like for you experts to to see the data points, um, and then listen to what they say and go? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, okay, it's great that you're saying this thing, but the the data and the market says something else. And, yeah, and oh, how how yeah. big of a I don't know what to call it, but a projection of confidence that seems to be a little bit false, like a false
2: door. Yeah, that I, and that's that's the hard part. Um, so it, it, it's kind of a a multi prong answer to to what you asked. So let's start with the Fed and their information their dot plot comes out every time they have a meeting and it's updated from the current through I can't remember the next four quarters or something of where they expect interest rates to be and every person that's on the fed board gets to put a dot on this plot you know on this graph of where they think interest rates will be and so they you can see where they're thinking and, and projecting now again they can change their minds and if you go back and look at previous dot plots to what they actually did you know some of their previous ones when they're like oh inflation isn't that bad it's transitory you remember us talking about that mm-hmm. during the, yeah inflation's transitory and they that didn't, was a
1: nice marketing
2: word. oh exactly they didn't expect <laughs> you know they didn't expect it to stick around so they weren't raising rates right away well then those dot plots were way off from what they actually did because eventually they're like, "Oh crap, this isn't transitory. This is here," and then they've you know started making moves, but it makes their previous dot plots way off. So, but you can kind of see like at every meeting that you have, you can kind of see what they're thinking, and then of course, Federal uh, Fed Powell, Fed Chair uh, Jerome Powell, um, gives a speech. And you can try to. He does a pretty good job of being, uh, Fantastic. no, I would just say, uh, he's not a politician, but very politician y, very, um, lawyer y. He's also not a lawyer, but you know, just like it's kind of factual, not a lot of uh, f- definitives, you know, leaves open the possibility so that they have flexibility, all things that I would do at the, if I was having a meeting, I'm not going to paint myself into a corner and he doesn't do that. Um, So you can try to glean some things off of that, you know, what he said at the previous meeting versus what he's saying at this meeting. Um, So with that, I would say, yeah, you can get an idea of what they're thinking about. Now, the hard part is the market isn't just the Fed and the market is not just me and the market is not just intelligent people who pay attention to this. The market is everything. It's fear, it's greed, it's news, it's, you know, idiots, it's very intelligent people, Warren Buffett's of the world. It, it is everything. And so sometimes it does, you know, like from my standpoint, I think it is disconnected right now. I don't think there was enough positive data for the markets to have, especially the Nasdaq, seven you know over seventeen percent gain in three months. That means the economy. I mean, to me, at a rate like that, that means the economy is crushing it. And if I don't think you could find a single person in the United States that's going to be like, yeah, the economy is just rock solid right now. Like, no. So, but we just had rock solid quarter for the Nasdaq. So that's where I think it gets disconnected sometimes. Is you just, you know certain people or certain groups or certain, you know, whatever, however it is, just get fixated on one area or one thing or one whatever. And it can cause, you know, a lot of distortion um, in the market. The markets are very, here's another one. They always talk about are the markets efficient or not? I don't know if you've ever heard people talk about that. The, I think the markets are extremely efficient most of the time there are times where it just doesn't make sense i think we're kind of in one of those i'm not saying it's terrible and that the markets need to drop 17% by any means i just i it, i think it went up too fast and so maybe we just kind of have a pause for quarter 2 and let some of the data catch up and then over half of a year you know the nasdaq's up 17% or 15% or whatever it is okay that that is more reasonable now, you know, cause you have more time where it kind of pauses. So we'll see how quarter two works out, um, uh, on all that.
1: Generally speaking as a, a financial planner, are you, when you say something like that, are you just tempering expectations for the next quarter or are you managing or moving in a way to kind of lack of a better term, brace for that disconnect that you, are projecting or is it just kind of business as
2: usual? Um, I get a lot of questions there. Or is that a uh, terrible question? No, 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 Cause no, no, I'm no, just no. they're, like... they're, they're good questions. Don't worry. I'm <laughs> just, there's, there's numerous questions there. So I'm trying to figure out how to answer them all sequentially. Um, well, I'm the king
1: of loading my like, three questions. At <laughs> that's total. all right.
2: So. Um, so I wouldn't, you know, I, I can only speak for myself and, and, i i would i would think most advisors don't try to manage the investments based on a potential disconnect in the markets you know maybe this is uh if a disconnect is like a buying opportunity um or selling opportunity maybe you do something like that but i don't think you like really completely change your portfolio because of of things being disconnected uh, or what you view as being disconnected so for me for example I think that this is a disconnect. Okay, well, let's let's. I have to throw the disclaimers out there ahead of time, of course. So none of this is advice. None of this is everything. Go talk to your investment professional. I'm just talking about some of the things that I did for my clients. Um, So with that being said, you know quarter one, I I thought the markets went up really quickly, particularly in certain sectors, Nasdaq, very you know tech, healthcare, different things like that, biotech. So those areas of my clients' portfolios we rebalanced and I trimmed those back. They went up really quickly. Like let's take some of these gains off the table. So a situation like that, yeah, I reacted based on the disconnect, but that's also just proper and prudent rebalancing of a portfolio. You know, if there's a disconnect the other way and you think stocks are cheap and on sale, rebalancing your portfolio is going to automatically be buying you into some of those things. So, um, I would say that is more um, of what most advisors are doing rather than necessarily, you know, completely changing things. Uh, The other thing, not necessarily from a disconnect standpoint, but just uh, things that have changed. Um, You know, all my clients know I hated bonds uh, over the well. (laughs) <laughs> Ever since I started Harmony Wealth until basically right now. And again, the reason behind that was is it's not the bond itself. It's just interest rates were so low. The only way for them to go up to go is up. This is even before we got into any of this, these issues. Like it just that's a simple rule of finance. If as interest rates go up, bond prices go down. So when interest rates are as low as they can go. The only way for them to go is up. We just didn't know when they were going to start going up, and it happened to be last year. And so I didn't have any bonds for clients in portfolios because I'm like, this is a guarantee to lose money. Well, now the times have changed. I think we're getting closer to a top of interest rates. And so I've started adding some you know, bond ETFs into client portfolios because you can get a pretty decent return that you couldn't before and you know as long as interest rates don't continue going up astronomically which most people think we're getting close to a top in interest rates then the only you know then the likelihood is actually that interest rates go down which now would mean that your bond prices would go up so there's a potential to have income plus maybe some growth on that again Not recommending that to anyone. Make sure you go talk to your own financial professional. But, you know, that's just some of the things that we're looking at based on where we are in the business cycle.
1: There's a reason why we have a disclaimer at the end of it.
2: Exactly. Yes. (laughs) And I still don't care. I'm going to make the disclaimers in the middle of it it. as well. (laughs) No,
1: I, I think you answered my question well. And I think it's important for someone like you that does this every day. And an expert takes what you just said as the normal day, normal day to day protocol and just normal things for granted. Yeah. like that probably makes perfect sense. And it's like, well, yeah, that's basically a normal day or normal protocol for a quarterly mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Rebalance. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. But it, it makes sense. Um, so. I think that's important to to kind of address. Yeah, uh, and for it's, someone that's not living it every day, or
2: sure that that makes right. it perfect. And 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 with that too, again, you know, doing a rebalance for anyone out there doing your own finances, like um, or your own investment, doing a rebalance is really important. And you know, investing as much as people don't want to hear it, investing is supposed to be boring. Like, go look at Warren Buffett. Does anything Warren Buffett invest in or is anything that he has done over his life is it the flashy sexy like awesome thing that gets you really excited no and he's the best investor that we've ever seen in the history of the world so it's supposed to be boring it's supposed to be buy good companies and hold on to them buy good sectors hold on to them you know Yes, people get rich off Bitcoin. Yes, people got rich off of, you know, the meme stocks. Yes, people get rich off of day trading. But those are the unicorns and they just got lucky most of the time. I don't want to discredit all of them, but a lot of them, it was just luck and good timing. So unless you're that lucky person, you know, then you got your four-leaf clover that you carry around with you all the time, just do the boring stuff and be like Warren and you're going to be just fine, you know, just Keep doing the right things a bunch of times, and you sent me something like this on Instagram, right? Making hard choices now, and in and and doing it consistently will ed, will lead to an easier life in the future, rather oh, than yeah, the yeah, easy yeah. choices now, which leads to a harder life in the future. And I know we can't, you know, show the visualize, yeah, the it. visual that was on there. But I'm like, that's exactly right, and that's exactly what investing is.
1: I mean the dude lives in Omaha, It doesn't get much more
2: boring than yeah. Omaha. Nebraska. And he, I mean it fits perfectly. Any <laughs> any drives, you know, he drives the same car he's had forever, he lives in the same house he's had forever. Uh you know, he has nice things, but he doesn't continue to need more and continue to keep up with the Joneses and continue to do all those things. And I'm not saying that Warren lives a poor life or any of that, but with the amount of money he has, he could be living much more extravagantly and he just doesn't because that's not how he built his wealth and he continues to do the right you know do the right financial thing and and the right choices
1: that reminds me of something i'll bring off 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 topic all right or off off the air we we don't need to talk about more more tinfoil hat oh but uh all right (laughs) so (laughs) as we wrap up this episode uh um Supply chain issues, global issues. What are what are some of the other things that uh, we saw have an effect on quarter one as we wrap up quarter one and head into quarter two?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, obviously, the Ukraine war is still going on. Doesn't look like that is going to be ending anytime soon. Um, again, I'm just going to kind of go over these. I don't want to get into any of the political side of things of uh, of any of it. We try to avoid that on the on the podcast here. Um, but yeah, that doesn't look like that's gonna be ending anytime soon. Uh, that could, it didn't seem to have as much of an impact last winter as what, uh, was projected because Europe had a warmer winter. United States was able to get more natural gas over there to help than what was projected. Um, but you know, with, um, wheat crop, different things, you know, Ukraine was one of the top wheat, um, exporters in the world, uh, you know this will be the second summer now of, of less of that, you know, so there'll be some some um, issues with, with all of that, ob- you know, obviously outside of the war itself in, in the country of Ukraine. Um, we're, I don't want to necessarily say we're having issues with China, but we always seem to have a little bit of tension there, uh, of course, with Taiwan um, and China believing that that's part of their sovereign nation. Um, Taiwan believing that they're independent, the U.S. seeming to back Taiwan but not fully, uh, saying that we would you know, put military there if necessary. Um, again, not getting into whether any of that's right or wrong, just that's uh, something going on because Taiwan Semiconductor, for those who don't know, um, obviously makes semiconductor chips. Um, it is one of, if not the most important semiconductor companies in the world um, with the not only the amount of chips that they create but the sophistication of what they create they work with a lot of american companies and the chips that we are developing are far superior to anyone else in the world and taiwan semiconductor helps make some of those so you know obviously there's some tensions there um, on that uh, also Uh, There's a new kind of alliance, I was reading a little bit about this, uh, called BRICS, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Um, I guess... Sounds lovely. Yeah, I guess they kind of got together and were like, we don't want to use the dollar anymore, we need to supplant the dollar, we need to, you know, America needs to not be the world power anymore, and so they're talking about creating some currency that they can all trade in, which, again whatever (laughs) um i don't run the government so i don't know if that's actually a threat to me on the face of it doesn't really seem like it but maybe it is i don't know i am not an expert in that area but that that's going on um and let's see is there anything else that was really no that's kind of the main three is there anything i'm missing that you're aware of kind of globally
1: no, I didn't. I mean, that's yeah. the first I've ever heard of the, the, the BRICS alliance. I, yeah, I, I tend to kind of turn that <laughs> knob down quite a bit and just, yeah,
2: yeah. And and and, and just kind of you know, talk, finishing up, uh, up here on China, you know, I have clients that ask a lot, you know, should we be worried? And, and to be honest, I just don't, I, you know, I, as I admitted, I'm not an expert in this area. But just thinking through the things that we all see in the news and know um, and trying to be logical about it, you know, on one hand, they're a huge economy. Um, They make a lot of stuff. They make a lot of the stuff that we need. Um, You know, they have a huge military. So, like, there's a lot of kind of scary buttons or scary uh things that hot topics that people can bring up and be like well what if they would cut us off and now all of a sudden we need to move all of our our manufacturing elsewhere yeah that wouldn't be good man you know that that mm-hmm. would that would hurt the economy now let's flip that does china want to cut off the united states we're the ones that buy all their crap you know so like i yeah i think that it it, it it might be a hate hate relationship to a certain extent, but you kind of both of you need each other. And I, 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 at least I hope that the leaders of, of each country recognize that you can, you can dislike America for being a democracy and we can dislike them for being a communist country. But at the end of the day, they make a lot of the stuff that we need and buy, and we buy all of their stuff, you know. And, and I think if push came to shove and if, if they cut us out, Again, would that be a big hit to the economy? Yes, but as we saw with uh, you know COVID and the and, and again not to get into the politics of any of that, but what our country was able to do with creating a vaccine and the speed of doing that, again not getting into the politics, but that you know that was that we created and and did things so much faster than the rest of the world that if we needed to move manufacturing out of China, there are other countries that we could move that to. Would that hurt the, again, would it hurt the economy? Yes. But there are other countries, you know, that have um, wages that are lower than America, which is why people, you know, go overseas for production. And they could move production to some of these other countries. Now, does China have a replacement of the United States to buy all their stuff I don't think so like that's the one where I'm like I really don't think so I mean maybe all of Europe and even then they don't buy as much as we buy plus they're not really in good terms with China either so like you're gonna have Russia Mm -hmm. try to buy as much stuff as we like no like they need us as much as we need them for good or for bad And so that's where I don't see this becoming like a huge deal. I think it's a lot of talking points and I think it's political crap to be honest, to just political posturing or whatever and try to, you know, I I don't know what the long game is. I really don't. Um, They seem to have a long game because they get the same president who stays in forever. uh, And, and ours changes, you know, every four to eight years. So, I don't know what the long game is between the two countries but I just I just can't see it like becoming where one one is like we're done with the other because it just it'd be you'd, you'd be biting your own hand so to speak to do that. So um, while there's always tensions, you know, I think that's probably about where it will stay. Sure. It's like a sibling yeah,
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, kind of. You know, you believe different things, but at the end of the day, you need each other. Um, maybe that changes ten years from now. I just don't really see a viable option for either of the countries right now. Sure. So
1: that's not what this podcast is all about.
2: That's right. So I'm not a I'm not a geopolitical expert. That's just what little bit that I I awful. Oh, I know, but I got to got to keep a finger on the pulse to a certain extent. Absolutely.
1: Anything else you want to add before we wrap up episode 40?
2: Nah, that's good. All
1: right. We hope this episode has been helpful. As always, thanks for listening. If you haven't yet, please like, subscribe, and leave us a review. We are now on YouTube and producing video content. Uh, You can see our beautiful faces if you're a regular listener to our podcast on Spotify or another podcast platform. Check us out. On video form on YouTube. If you have any questions or suggestions, shoot us an email at podcast at financiallysharp.com. That's podcast at financiallysharp.com. That's Tanner. I'm Adam. We'll see you and he- you'll hear us in the next episode.
0: This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This podcast does not engage in rendering legal, tax, financial, or other professional services. Investment advisory services are offered through Harmony Wealth, a registered investment advisor authorized to do business in states where registered or otherwise exempt from registration. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please contact Harmony Wealth at 602-935-5155 or at HarmonyWealthAZ.com.